What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn on the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zance, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. We're joined by a very, very special guest, the man who made this show possible, Joe Caparoso, founder, owner, Turn on the Jets, Badlands. Joe, Steven, three straight wins. When was the last time? It feels like forever, right? It truly does. I'm not counting the... Adam Gay's 2019 winning streaks and feeling like this. That hit, that, that hit different. I feel like it's been really since 2017, which somehow is now seven years ago. So good times to be talking with you guys. Yeah, Steven, yeah, how you feeling? It's great. Three in a row, early, like mid-October, and we're, we're talking about playoff fun. I mean, right now the Jets are what? the We're third best record in the AFC. If, if the playoffs started today, we'd be the five seed. I mean, it's fun. And Three in a row, but two convincing wins in a row. Like, no matter how you cut it, going into Lambeau and, and beating Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and by 17, like, any Jets fan would have signed up for that if you told us that before the season or even last week. So, we'll take it, man. This is uh, – it's fun times in Jets land right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't even really know how to feel right now. Like like Joe said, like, I don't count the Adam Gase three-game winning streak in 2019. I feel like – this is probably the biggest high Jeff fans have felt since they won five straight, you know, going into that Buffalo game in week uh, of week 17 of 2015. And obviously we know how that ended, but like I was talking to Steven about this, Joe, before you joined our, you know, our zoom here, like when was the last time the future of the jets felt as bright as it feels right now, even in 2010, when, you know, you had thought you had this young franchise quarterback in Mark Sanchez, a lot of the roster construction was older players. Of course, you had your Revis, you had Cromarty, you had some young pieces, but a lot of older guys, and you were hoping Sanchez would continue to ascend. And then, you know, you would literally have to keep building around him. But obviously, everything spiraled out of control. But look at these players. You don't, we don't even know if we're seeing the best of what they can do. Joe, what do you think about that? It's been very long because a lot of people are understandably trying to look for similarities between other teams who've had success somewhat recently for the Jets. And yes, 2009, 2010 had some of the DNA of the defense and running game. 2006 was sort of this like pleasant surprise season where they very quickly showed they were better than I think a lot of people expected they would be. You probably have to go back more to like 2002-ish because that's when that draft class where they had the four first rounders started really making an impact with Abraham Ellis and Pennington and Becht. And that was sort of an out of nowhere run where they started the season slow. Pennington came in, they got hot. And that was so long ago. It was just a different era of football for the jets to have arguably the front runner for defensive rookie of the year and the front runner for offensive rookie of the year through the first six games. And to have four to five guys who credibly look like pro bowlers right now, it's uncharted territory and it's, it's all very recent too, because through three games, it didn't really look like this. We sort of had this one spooky win and two games that looked a lot like last year or or two years ago, even. And then these last, I guess, nine quarters, everything has really started to click together. And I wouldn't even say it's all the way there yet because we can unlock some different parts of this roster. So it's, it's truly uncharted territory. I think jet fans, you just got to enjoy the ride. Sometimes you have these seasons. It's been actually really like a, an anomaly. The Jets haven't had one of these teams usually stumble. I don't want to say stumble. That's not fair because they've obviously added these players in a strategic way. But looking at how the schedule and how the rest of the conference is breaking so far, sometimes you just get an opening to have, to have a better playoff or have a, a path to the playoffs. If you didn't expect one. It's still early. But there is one there this year. Uh, any year where the Jets are beating the Packers by 17 in Lambeau, the week after another 20-point victory it is an outlier season for them. So 
there is something there. And it is fair to start looking at the schedule and saying there is a path to the playoffs for them this year, which feels insane to say, but it really is there. Steven, what do you think, man? I know yeah. you're, you're like Joe here. You know, you date back to those days. I'm a little <laughs> bit younger than you guys, but like 2002, that's, that's a long time. <laughs> again, again, it's Steven's way of, of calling us old, Joe. That's, that's what he does every, much pretty much every episode. But no, neither here nor there. Listen, I think Joe is spot on. You go back to kind of 06, 07, where they got, you know, Brick and Mangold and then uh, Revis and David Harris back-to-back drafts. Those were kind of, you know, the young guys, the core to build for future years. O2, I think, was spot on where that 2000 draft from Parcells. And then you kind of couple that with O2 and, and, and some of those guys, obviously, and, and the run that they made. But this is it's really just totally different uh, what this team is doing. And you kind of see where each win, it's been on the backs of one of these young guys, where the Cleveland win was Garrett Wilson. These last two weeks have been Brees Hall. Sauce Gardner has been, you know, really consistent and consistently great. Unbelievable. Um, all, right. All throughout. So it's it's really weird uh, that it's happening and it's really happening on the backs of these young guys. And it's obviously great. But when I kind of expand on that even more, it's like the Jets have the horses right now and they yeah. they're just a better team. They have more talent than the teams that they're playing, which when is the last time we could say <laughs> that? And that's just you just feel like like they can win any, any game right now. Like they can beat any team simply because they have players that stack up with other rosters. And that just hasn't been the case for longer than we can remember really. So it's just a very good feeling kind of going into games now confident um, that these young guys, but really this entire roster will perform because it's not only the young guys you're getting uh, very good performances all the way throughout guys that we were bashing early on in the year. You go, you look Quinn. at, you know, Jordan Whitehead, uh, LaMarcus Joyner, Quinn and Williams. Um, you look at the special teams guys, Greg Zerline and Braden Mann. I mean, how well they're playing. So just kind of top to bottom, they're really uh, performing well. And it's just weird to say that like really the jets kind of have the horses right now to go out and win games solely because of their talent. And one more point I'll say is like, you can honestly look at this from an even more positive lens to say they really haven't tapped into all they can at this point, because we really haven't seen the best from a lot of their young talent right now. Zach Wilson, you know, notably. Yeah. So before we talk more specifically about the Packer game, one thing I wanted to point out, and I was thinking about this over the last 24 hours, think about like the wins and how they've came by. So it starts with Cleveland, which obviously is a crazy outlier win, miracle thing that never happens to the Jets. It was the first time it happened in what, 22 years. So that happens. Then the Pittsburgh game where they look, you know, they look good. Then they kind of fall flat. And then Zach kind of wills them back after they fall down by 10 points in the fourth quarter to win the game. Then they finally break their, you know, drought of not beating a divisional opponent. And they, you know, kick the living shit out of them. You know, excuse me for cursing, Joe. I know you don't love it. Um, And that was a huge win. And then now they beat a team that, you know, doesn't really lose a lot of games at home, especially with this quarterback and head coach combination. But Joe, I know you said this on uh, Badlands, they left points on the table. I mean, the refs obviously didn't do them any favors and like the Jets were the better team the entire game. The only thing that really kept the Packers in the game were some of those calls and that great throw by Rogers. But like every time the Packers tried to do something, the Jets answered the bell. It's like, it's crazy. So like they've incrementally got better and more impressive in their wins. And now it's like, where do they go from here? Like, you know, eventually they are going to let up a little bit because that's the NFL. You get humbled in this league, but like, it's truly remarkable how the progression of the, the wins and how impressive they've been has gone. Yeah. Look, they, they haven't played a, a complete game yet. And I don't think they've scratched the surface on some points of their offense. But as you said, now we're in a uncharted territory of 
they will lose another game at some point this year. There will be some <laughs> other down valleys in this season. I think what's going to be interesting to see is can they win their, the rest of their – how do they play in their division games? Those New England games loom very large in the middle of the schedule. Those are two teams who are going to be sort of right in this sort of like second, third tier, middle of the pack, competing for a playoff spot. How do you handle your other game against Miami? How do you handle some of these other conference games that are upcoming, starting with Denver this week? They will have to get better throwing the football with more consistency uh, to compete throughout the year. Eventually, smart teams will adjust and they will load up the box and, and force Zach Wilson to find ways to beat them over the top. doesn't mean that the Jets aren't going to be good enough to still find a semblance of a running game. And in many weeks still, some teams just might not be able to stop it, even if they know it's coming. But there's going to be times the Jets are going to have to unlock Garrett Wilson and unlock Elijah Moore. And I think right now the main thing that's missing is that it doesn't look like Zach Wilson is comfortable with those two guys yet. looks like he's really comfortable with Corey Davis. He still looks comfortable with Braxton Berrios. Uh, the tight ends, when they've had to been used, it's been sparingly in the passing game in the last few weeks, but it's worked. They have to find a way to add that big play element in the passing game. And it, it's okay that it hasn't happened the last, the last couple of weeks. They haven't needed it to. Honestly, 18 passes might have been too much in that Green Bay game. It was raining and they had no answer for the run. They could have won that game throwing 12 or 13 passes. Uh, that's rare, but sometimes that's the case. And Miami was kind of a similar deal, although the numbers weren't all that bad in Miami. It was 200 yards passing with a 10 yards per attempt and five inches from having two touchdown passes. So the last nine quarters, I think, have been okay. They haven't been amazing. There's been some really nice moments. The only moment they needed him not to be a game manager, he wasn't against Pittsburgh. He led them down the field for back-to-back touchdowns, and they won. Teams will start putting more pressure on him. He's going to always be under a microscope because he's the second overall pick in the draft. But the talent is still there. I mean, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson did not forget how to play football. Garrett Wilson's a rookie. We have to remember that. And he got outplayed by Jair Alexander. It's not shocking. The sixth game. And what's good is that that's a good teaching tape for him. And you're learning in a win rather than a loss. And he'll learn a lot from that performance. And he has to get better at running his routes past the sticks on third down. He has to get better of going against top-tier corners when they're keying in on him because he is the best receiver on the team. And other defenses are treating him like that. Corey Davis is taking advantage of that. Elijah Moore hasn't been able to yet. I think this offense is figuring out where he really fits alongside those two guys. They're going to have to manufacture some touches for him like they've done with Berrios uh, to help get him in rhythm because they will need him to make some big plays like we saw a little bit early in that Pittsburgh game. So, you know, more to come. You know, the defense – can't play any better than it's played the last nine quarters. They will go against – it sounds silly to say coming off playing Aaron Rodgers, but if you look at the rest of that offense, they'll go against bigger challenges than that offense is right now. So they have no receivers. They're clearly like – they are not the Packers of old. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle, you know, a little success now, more than a little success, winning three games in a row, getting national attention, having a winning record, being multiple games over 500. How do they <laughs> handle that? And, you know – Denver playing well right now as we're recording this, they're up 10 nothing. A team that came in with a lot of expectations. That's a hard place to play no matter what. Uh, that's a hard place to fly to. The altitude makes it difficult to play there. It's not, it's not an easy place to play. And I, don't, I don't actually think the three points is disrespectful. I think they're saying that teams are equal on a neutral field. Denver's getting three points because they're, that's their home field advantage. I think it's fine for right now. How do they handle that trip? And then how do you handle, even if they lose next week, that place is going to be insane for Jets Patriots on October 30th. How do you handle that kind of environment 
And how do you handle Bill Belichick, who's absolutely owned them the last few years, or really the better part of the last two decades? Yeah, well said, Joe. And to me, that's the measuring stick. Like, if they lose to Denver, fine. You're still four and three. You're going, you have a big home game after, you know, two road, uh, you know, big road trips and tough environments. Show, you know, show what you're made of. Like, Joe, I know you went to the game last year in New England and it was one of the most embarrassing losses in recent memory. I went to the home opener last year and it just was so frustrating to see. And like you said, Bill has owned us. So you know, we'll figure out really what this team is after that game and obviously when they play him again. But it's it's crazy. And like, I'm I'm so excited. But I do want to talk about some of the stars of this game. I feel like there's three guys that come to mind really quickly. But Quinn Williams, who I will own, and I know people have came at me on Twitter for this, and it's fine. I'm going to own it because I felt he was underwhelming for a lot of his time with the Jets. He obviously was having a good year prior to, you know, this game against the Packers. Like, you know, there were some moments. But Sunday felt to me, and I want you guys to, you know, chime in here as well. It felt like to me the game that we've been looking for for a Jets defensive lineman that was taken very highly to have. I know Muhammad Wilkerson had a good year when, you know, I think he had like 13 sacks, whatever it was. I felt like Quentin Williams was by far the best player on the field, and it wasn't even close. He was mauling double teams. I had never seen a Jets player do that. Like, I know Sean Ellis was tremendous. I know Chris Jenkins was really good, some good defensive linemen. What I saw from Quentin Williams was, like, the stuff I see from Aaron Donald. And, like, I never want to compare him with Aaron Donald, but he looked like Aaron Donald. Call me crazy, Stephen. Fill in here. No, I think you're spot on. And I think that, you know, the biggest thing is, is kind of when you, you look at that, you know, 10,000 foot view and what you're getting out of Quinnen is what we've all wanted for, you know, the first three years of his career, which is let's see the consistency game in and game out because he's had, he's never had games like he did on Sunday. Sunday was uh, absolutely awesome. He was a, he was a game wrecker in every sense of the word, um, you know, a field goal block, two sacks, tackles for losses. He was everywhere. He was unblockable on Sunday, but to see the impact that he's had this season game in and game out is exactly what we've all been looking for and was exactly kind of uh, the the negative that we would kind of check on him in years past is that he would have good games, uh, but also then just disappear for games at a time, which was our frustration. Um, But overall, Quinnen is having a fantastic year. I think you have to contribute some of that uh, to Carl Lawson being back, uh, the continued emergence of JFM and how well he's playing. Um, alongside Sheldon Rankins. I just think that D-line as a whole is really starting to perform, which was uh, honestly the probably most underperforming unit of, uh, of 2021. So you're starting to see that not only out of Quinn, but out of everybody. But I'll pass to Joe. Joe, what are your thoughts on Quinn overall on the D-line? I mean, Quinn's playing easily the best he's ever played in his career. I think he's playing as well as any defensive lineman in the NFL right now outside of Aaron Donald and, and playing up to – even above what his highest expectations were when he was drafted third overall. I don't think he's been that guy the past few years. I think he's been good, not great. He's been great so far this year. The most dominant I've seen a Jets interior defensive lineman was the stretch we got from Chris Jenkins in 2008 before he got hurt. Uh, It it was a short period of time, but he was doing some of the things you're seeing Quinnen do. And and if Quinnen continues this up, this is all pro season, not a pro bowl season. You know, at least a half a sack in five straight games, blocking field goals. He looks like he's going to have that 12, 13 sack season. And, and it'll be more impressive than what you saw from Wilkerson because of what else the Jets asked Quinnen to do in this defense. Uh, it's not necessarily tailor made for him to be a 10 to 13 sack guy, which he is on, on pace to being right now. And uh, if he's playing that well, to go with Sauce playing this well, to go with Mosley still being really stable in the middle. 
you have elite guys at all three levels of your defense, which is really hard for any offense to deal with, especially when you're not, you know, going to be playing like great world-class quarterbacks week in, week out. This is the NFL. You're going to get games against Jacoby Brissett, Skylar Thompson. Uh, well, they're <laughs> going to get two games against Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones. They're going to have games against Justin Fields and uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's been inconsistent. So that that's hard for quarterbacks to deal with. And Quinnen has been – I, their best overall player, I would say, so far this year. You know, I think obviously ABT's done a lot of really impressive things as well. I think Quinnen has actually been the best overall player on the team this year and one of the best defensive players in the league so far this season. Now it's just, can he stay healthy and can he do it for 17 games? And that that's kind of what Rune Jenkins sees in. He got banged up and never got back to that level. But if he stays continuing to play like this, you know, th- this defense will be like a top 10-ish defense, which seems crazy to think, but that's that's what the potential is if he's playing at this level. Yeah, I mean, the defense looked like the 49ers defense in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl. I mean, like, that's what that defense looked like. It's exactly as they've designed and what they've been looking to achieve when Salah and Obra came here. And it's like, it's just awesome to see. It feels like, you know, we're getting back to the, you know, what the Jets used to be in 2010, 2009 with the ground and pound. But I know you touched a little bit about sauce. I, you know, I know that we all were kind of hoping to get Kayvon Thibodeau or if Hutchinson fell because we felt like this team needed another edge rusher at four. And then obviously when it was pretty apparent that uh, Hutchinson wouldn't be there and Kayvon could be here. Um, that was who I wanted. I'm very vocal about it and it's fine. And then obviously the stuff with the Quanu, I know you've kind of felt like that was the gut pick for you because of the questions with Becton and obviously fan only having one more year on his contract. Sauce, and I, it's not like I didn't like the player. Everyone said, you know, he's probably the best player in the draft if you just had to go from, like, clean in terms of how good, how gifted he is, you know, character and effort and everything like that. Everything that we've seen from Sauce Gardner week in, week out since he, you know, put on the uniform has been all pro level, more probably pro bowl, because, I mean, there's obviously a lot of good corners in the league, but he looks like a top five corner to me. Like, I don't think my eyes are deceiving you. Joe, Steven, what do you guys think about this? I mean, he, he just looks like a veteran already, and a very good veteran. And I think you can make a case he's been one of the, like the seven and 10 best corners in the NFL so far this year. Uh, the, you know, the comp that Connor gave before the draft that, that I liked a lot was James Bradbury. And a lot of people were like, man, like that, that's weak. It shouldn't be like, you got to give him someone higher than that. You know, you've been watching the Eagles. Brad Berry is also one of the 10 best corners yes. right now. If not one of the five best corners in the league right now. And I think it was always sort of a, a higher, a higher, even a higher ceiling version of that, but sort of a similar style of play. Uh, he's definitely hit the ground running in a way that's very rare for a rookie. And he, he truly looks the part of a guy who has all pro potential sooner rather than later and probably should be the front runner for all defensive rookie of the year right now. And that that's a game changer. And it also shouldn't be lost in the shuffle, how good DJ Reed's been too. He's played also, uh, which I like the Reed signing a lot. I didn't think he would be this good. Uh, let's see if it holds, but he he's been excellent as well. Yeah. I, I think he just fits like a glove with this scheme. Obviously he played with Salah before and also, I think a lot of his issues really were staying healthy. He's had a lot of injury problems. And I, I did get a little bit concerned. I remember in training camp, he was out for a little bit. And he seems to be good to go. And like you said, he's been excellent as well. And obviously, can't forget about Michael Carter II. He's been as solid as they come in the slot. I feel like it gets 
definitely lost because of how good the outside guys have been. Steven, what are your thoughts about sauce? I know like, obviously you like him, but like, yeah, he was tremendous. Yeah. I mean, no question. I was in the, you know, the, the pick surprised me. I liked the pick yeah. ultimately, but it did surprise me. But to say anything short of, of that, he has completely exceeded expectations through six games um, would be crazy because he absolutely has. I think there's no question that he can play, but to play at the level that he has and to go against the guy that he's, the guys that he's gone against and to hold up like he has is, is just unexpected. And there, there's no way that you could have uh, anticipated that coming into the season. Um, the one thing that I can say about him is that through his first six games, it looks like there's no weakness to his game. Like there's no one thing that you can say he doesn't do well, which honestly, and I don't even want to draw this comparison, but you have to, because we're Jets fans and this is what the barometer is, but that's Darrell Revis. There was no, there was no, weakness in Darrell Rivas's game he could do everything he could defend the ball he could run with every corner he could tackle there's nothing that um that you know sauce can't do you think back to like a guy that he's also been compared to Antonio Cromartie simply because of the the, the length and, and the speed Cromartie never wanted to tackle well sauce has no problem getting in there and mixing it up so that's the one thing that I, I kind of always go back to he, he's he's running step for step with these guys he's making plays every week he's gone up against um you know viable talent and he's held his own and it were six games into his, into his career. Um, so sauce through, through the first six games has been nothing short of impressive and it's only going to get better from here. Yeah. And Joe, I know you guys talked about this the other day. It's just, he does the right things in coverage where he's not getting called for penalties. I feel like that's such a problem with young corners, even talented ones where they're doing things that they don't realize they can't get away with at the NFL level. And in addition to everything he's doing, obviously, you know, in man to man, the stuff he does in the run and run defense is actually excellent as well. He's always near the ball. It's, it's, it's really just a breath of fresh air considering what the corners were last year and really what they've been basically since Darrell fell off a cliff in 2015. Um, I know basically he had that concussion. Um, I think it was in the Texan game and he really wasn't ever the same since it's like slowly happened and he got cooked in the last game. And then, I remember I was at the Jets Bengals game in the home opener when they lost in the fourth quarter and he got cooked by AJ Green. And that's where I was like, oh, he may have lost a little bit of a step, but it's it's awesome. And it's just super fun to have these guys because we've been waiting so long to have this young roster that's full of talent all over the place. And like we got to talk about Brees Hall, too, because he carried this offense yesterday literally on his back and. We all thought he was good. We all thought that there was, you know, a player here. But the question really was, you know, with Michael Carter, with questions around the offensive line, and obviously in the beginning, his usage wasn't very high. And we were all were like, why aren't they using him? He clearly is a better overall player than Michael Carter. No disrespect to Michael Carter. We like him. He was great last year as a rookie, but he's more of a complimentary piece where he could be good in the pass game. He's good on third down. But Brees Hall has everything you want in a running back size, speed, you know, vision. He's smart. It's like, we haven't had this talented of a running back since Curtis Martin in my eyes. And like Thomas Jones is great former guest of the show, but like, can you guys think of someone who was more talented than Brees Hall to, you know, come out of the Jets backfield? I'll pass it to Joe first. No, I, I think it's fair to say since Martin. Uh, and again, Thomas Jones had a couple great seasons here. I just think with Hall, we're only six games into his career and really only like three or four games into him being the true feature back. And it, it, you know, it was only a matter of time, but he was too talented to have it not happen as fast as it did. I mean, he he's completely taken over the last two games and just the jets are running their entire offense through him has a running back as a pass catcher uh, and the consistency that he is just ripping off these like 
seven to 20 yard runs. Uh, it's not even like he's averaging like five yards a carry and he's had like two 70 yard touchdown runs, right? It's just been like, he had the long, the longish run uh, against the Packers to kind of put the game on ice. But for the most part, it's been just chipping away with these like seven yards on a toss and then like 11 yards here and six yards here, helping the Jets stay in front of the, in front of the sticks. And, you know, Carter's been a nice complimentary back. I think that's always the role that he's kind of been destined to in this offense, particularly also staying involved as a pass catcher. But if Hall is rolling like that and getting his, let's call it 15 to 19 carries a game, that's what the Jets want to be. They want to be very physical. They want to be led by their running attack uh, with him being the focal point of it. It's not dissimilar from a script that the Niners have almost won two Super Bowls with. And he's good enough to carry it. And he is a guy that can be a 1,200-yard back as a rookie and start stringing together a 1,000-yard seasons and also have another five, 600 yards receiving on top of that. So the productivity is just off the charts, and he's only going to get better. He's only a few games into being the back uh, as a true lead back. So it, it will only get better going forward, which is what's exciting. Yeah. Steven, I know you've been loving Brees Hall as well. And one thing I want to say just about the 49ers comparison, he's better than any running back that they've, they've trotted out there in that offense. And think about how productive a guy like Raheem Mostert was when they went on that Super Bowl run. But Steven, tell me a little bit about Brees. What, what are you loving about him? Because I feel like there's nothing you can't love. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's uh, the same thing that I just said about Sauce is really what you can point to with Brees is that there's really no, no weakness in his game. But I think there's no question that how quickly they've turned to him as the lead back was a, was a surprise to me that, you know, I really thought that it was going to be more of a 50, 50 split and even Michael Carter kind of getting the lion's share uh, at least initially. Um, But the fact that the coaches have seen it and seen the production and and seen that uh, this is the way to go so early and have stuck with it. It impresses me not only for him, but from the coach's standpoint to simply make that switch. But really when I say there's no weakness in his game, I mean, He's he, he's great out of the backfield catching the ball. He gets every yard that's there and then some. So when Joe mentions Curtis Martin and Curtis kind of he was that guy that he would consistently get those, you know, 10, 12, 15 yard runs. And that's exactly what Brees Hall is doing. The difference is that Brees Hall has that game breaker ability, which I don't think Curtis Martin really had. He didn't, Curtis Martin wasn't ripping off, you know, 50, 60, 70 yard runs uh, every game. He really didn't have that threat. He was that 10, 12 yard eclipse guy that would completely break you down. Brees Hall has that and then some. And that game breaking ability is something that's part of Brees' game where, you know, we've seen it now taking the, uh, the you know, the uh, outlet up the sideline against Miami and then breaking this one for what, 35 plus yards to uh, pretty much seal the victory at Green Bay. I mean, those are things that um, you, they don't grow on trees, man. You don't get those every day. So seeing Brees doing this and having this success uh, early on in his career is just, it's, it's awesome to see. Yeah. And the, like everyone's going to keep pointing back to that 41 yard touchdown run that essentially like sealed the game for the Jets. To think about that, the play, if you actually look at it, like in, in like the all 22, all 22 view, it was supposed to be like a, an end around to Garrett Wilson. And the fact that he had the presence of mind as a rookie in his sixth NFL game to see that there is a lane to be had that he's like, I got this. And I'm pretty sure you could see that Wilson's like laughing and that he's like, oh, what are you doing? And it was just gorgeous. And you know, credit to Michael Floor. We all were like really questioning what he was doing in the first half of this game. And I made the joke. He's like a little brother trying to outsmart the big brother. I kind of felt that was the way he was coaching. He was just getting a little too cute. I credit him to really going what the foundations of this offense is, which is pounding the rock, you know, leaning on your backs and just being bully, being a bully to the, the opposing defense. But 
it's it's just so much fun and like i i'm like numb and i, I know we all are numb because we just like don't know this we haven't felt this feeling really in like the jets twitter era like think about it. well the last yeah. time that we really felt like this team was something twitter like didn't even exist like it, it was very in its infancy stages and like that's a, like what's really weird because it's like everyone at Jets Twitter is just kind of going into like hysteria because we just don't know how to handle ourselves. But <laughs> it's it's been awesome, and I I'm just I'm so happy. And it, I three straight victory Mondays. That's yeah. it, it makes the life a lot better. I'll just say that <laughs> it's it, it truly is. And honestly, so I want to pose a question to to both of you guys really, and just kind of through six games, uh, especially after considering the start and the really the dud against Baltimore. And then they follow up the Cleveland game with a dud against Cincinnati. But now with this winning streak, what's your assessment, both your assessment of the coaching staff and kind of go a little bit into obviously Robert Sala, but then Michael floor and Jeff Ulbrich, who I think we all probably owe an apology to at this point, but I'll let you guys kind of kick it away. Joe, why don't you go first? I think, look, they're, they're progressing in the way that you want to see in year two. I think for Sala, if you're going to talk the way he does about the culture and the process and everything you're building, those words start carrying a lot of weight uh, when the wins are coming and they're playing in the mold that you have talked about and seeing it come together with how physical they are up front. And it's gotten better with the game management. It's not perfect yet, but it's definitely gotten better. This team is excellent in the fourth quarter. This team is handling success. Well, they're winning on the road, which is really hard for a young team uh, to go three and on the road and go win in Lambeau, win in Cleveland and win in Pittsburgh. That's a sign of good coaching. And there's been a, co- a couple of hiccups this year, but they've clearly turned a corner uh, right now. And it, it took a little bit, it took, you know, the 20 ish games, but Salah has clearly turned a corner and is starting to get credibility behind everything that he's been preaching. And with Ulbrich, it really seems like they've adjusted some things since they had that blow up on the sideline. Honestly, the defense was a lot better in the second half against the Bengals. It went under the radar because of how ugly that game was overall with Flacco, you know, some hiccups against Pittsburgh, but generally were better and then have been lights out really since late in the Pittsburgh game, all the way through the Miami and now the green Bay game. So it's not, you know, I'm not telling you that, you know, Ulbrich is, you know, the next Rex Ryan and he's going to be a head coach somewhere. He's gotten better and he showed flashes of being able to adapt, which is a good sign. I think with Sala, you want to continue to see the game management improve. Uh, you want to see the system be continue to build. I think LaFleur can be a little hot and cold and can be a little bit of a roller coaster. He's done a good job of adapting. He remains very creative. Uh, he clearly has a vision for what this offense is going to be. Uh, I think they're still inconsistent, but they're definitely getting better, which is all you can really ask for at 20 games at this point. Yeah. And yeah, Joe nailed a lot of the things that I believe and what I've seen. And obviously, Stephen, you and I coming after that Baltimore game, we were very critical of them. We're starting to be concerned, like, is this the right staff for this franchise? And like Joe said, a lot of improvements. I think the game management definitely is a lot better. I think that they rank really well in those opportunities to where to go forward on fourth down and where not to. I think that they've done really well there. And that was something that we were really banging on the table for last year. But I think the biggest thing, and Stephen, you and I talked about this, I think, yesterday or earlier today or something like that the fact that they actually make second half adjustments that's a big thing that was lacking for a really long time I I think it actually goes back to the later parts of Rex's tenure like I felt like they did early in his tenure but then towards the end when the roster wasn't as good same thing carried over with Todd Bowles and obviously Adam Gase basically after the first offensive drive didn't know how to do anything from there 
So I think that that's a really big testament to what they've, they've accomplished and really just being real with themselves and not necessarily being stubborn to the system. Like we felt like when they were blitzing all these guys and getting in the rush lanes and they've realized, you know what, let's make adjustments based on what we've seen on the film and what the opponent is doing. And that's how we're going to operate. We're not going to be stubborn and be like square peg round hole. And I think that's really promising. And I think Salah is also handling his pressers a lot better. I know the receipts thing did not sit with us very well, but you know what? The team has responded. They yeah. are backing their coach up, which is like kind of feeling like Rexish vibes. Like, you know, he'd be the, he'd bring the bravado and it would come out and play well. But I think also just the way he's been handling these wins, he's like, you know, we can't get too high about this. Like, you know, we, we need to, you know, just remember it's, it's one game. It doesn't mean anything. I know he was probably hiding some, some happiness with like basically holding back a smile, but I think he's just handling himself a lot better and you know that he's still only in his second year, but I think there's a lot of improvements. Steven, what have you seen? That's, you know, been encouraging. Yeah, I think obviously, I mean, when you go through all three of them, um, there's been some calls that I don't like from Mike LaFleur, which is that's going to happen. You know, I really didn't like the uh, the third down call, you know, where he pretty much cuts the field in half and rolls out and throws a dart to Garrett Wilson. You know, a couple other things where I think he kind of tends to get too cute. But I think as the game's gone on, he's tended to figure it out and consistently relied on the running game to close it out, which is exactly what we want. I think Ulbrich has obviously shown, you know, as Joe said, uh, a lot of improvement really since that uh, that Cincinnati blow up. And the defense has been um, remarkable since then, which which has been great. And I think he's made the adjustments necessary. From the solid standpoint, I feel like he is starting to figure it out. And there's a couple things that I'll point to. I mean, really, when you go back through each of the four wins, um, there's, a, there's a few things that the Jets have capitalized on that I think – Typical Jets don't really do, right? Our same old Jets wouldn't have done and they would have folded in that situation. So you go back through the Bengals win, and we said this at the time, but not only did the Jets have to have a couple things go in their favor, obviously, a few fortunate things. Yes, they did. But they also had to capitalize on a lot in that game to actually win it and to run out the clock the way that they did, right? To give Cleveland not, you know, not give Cleveland a shot to really come back down and kick a field goal to win. Like that's good coaching. Same thing in the Pittsburgh game. They were methodical in the way that they came back. So to get down 20 to 10, but to respond the way that they did, to drive down the field and score a touchdown, then they get the pick. Then they drive down again methodically to score the touchdown to leave Pittsburgh no time. Little things like that. Um, you know, even in this in this Packers game, like I don't know about you guys, but as soon as Aaron Rodgers hit the touchdown to Lazard, I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. 17-10, Jets are going to go three and out. Next thing you know, it's going to be a tie ball game. But no. The response is they take it slow. They methodically drive down the field. Zach hits a little screen to C.J. Uzama, 16 yards to Tyler Conklin. Next thing you know, Brees Hall's breaking it. It's 24-10, and the game's pretty much out of reach. So just those little things are just not what we've been accustomed to seeing from the Jets, uh, obviously the players and the coaching staff. And I think back now, man, and I tweeted it today, but you, you see Matt Rule get fired. You see the dumpster fire that is Arizona. They're trading for Robbie Anderson. And really, those are my first you know, top two guys back in 2019. So maybe this all happened for a reason. Maybe we endured these two years of Adam Gase and that, that shit show just so this could happen and we could ultimately get to Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. Because right now, um, it's looking really good. It looks like this team, for once, uh, is actually well coached. For sure. Definitely. Um so I want to do two more things, and then we'll, you know, we'll wrap it here. So obviously, Zach Wilson is a polarizing figure, and Joe mentioned this at the top because of the draft position. We totally get it. He's the quarterback in New York, so he's going to be facing sometimes, you know, fair and also unfair criticism. But we can obviously say that, you know, Sunday he didn't have to do much. Um, Miami, similar, but he obviously had a little bit more of, you know, involvement in the game plan. 
And then Pittsburgh was pretty bad for two of the four quarters and then was obviously really good and, you know, leading a 10 point comeback in the fourth. So with, like Joe said, there's going to be adjustments. We're not going to be able to run at will always against every opponent. There's going to be times when they're going to stack the box. What do you guys need to see from Zach, you know, over the next, I guess, 11 games or so uh, to really feel comfortable with the selection, but also feel like, you know, they don't need to, I, I mean, I don't really know. He's definitely going to get another year, I think, at this point, especially if they continue to win games, even if it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing. But what do you need to see from him, Joe? And then, Stephen, you could, I'll pass it to you. What do you need to see from him to really feel confident that, you know, Joe Douglas got this one right? Look, I, I think you want to see more of what you saw in the fourth quarter of that Pittsburgh game. When the run game can't be utilized or it's being slowed down or they need – explosive plays in the passing game or big third and fourth down conversions. Can you do it consistently? And can he have that game where he is the primary reason that they win when, when they need that to happen, which will happen a few times. So when that starts happening with some frequency, you'll start seeing the 250, 300 yard games. You'll see the passing touchdowns. They'll come, they'll get there. Uh, I like that he's protecting the football. I want that to continue. Um, and it will also be important for him to show that he could get in rhythm with Wilson and more. So I, I think in the immediate term, he's got a really challenging three-game slate upcoming. Denver's got a very good defense. You know, you put away the Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson jokes. It's a talented defense. And you're going on the road to play them. Uh, that's going to be hard. It's always hard playing against Bill Belichick. Uh, he will have – a scheme ready to go against Zach Wilson. And he, you know, chewed up and spit up Zach Wilson last year, the two times uh, that they played each other. Um, So that's going to be a hell of a test. And then Buffalo is, you know, arguably the best team in the league right now, except for the Eagles. So the next three are going to be a great test. And can he hold up and can he protect the football and can he make plays down the field? Uh, You'll quiet a lot of people. If you beat New England, there's no easier way to win over your fan base than yep. New England and playing well in that game. So uh, that that those are, I think, are the nearer term things to watch. Yeah, Stephen, what about you? What do you need to see from Zach? Yeah, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree with Joe, and I don't want to just uh, you know regurgitate what he said. I think you know when you go back to the Pittsburgh game, I'm not as down on, on those you know two uh, quote unquote bad quarters that he had, um, really because. He threw one bad pick, you know, that was stupid, no question. But within that, you know, eight for 24 or whatever he was, were a lot of uh, escapes because the line wasn't holding up and he threw the ball away. And I think ultimately that first quarter was really good. And, And when you look at it, he really was the reason that we won that game. So he put the team on his back in the fourth quarter and was the reason for that victory. Um, These last two games, he's done exactly what he needed to do. I think Miami looked a little better simply because he was called upon for a little more. Um, And, 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 you know, Sunday, he just really, you know, we we rode uh, Brees Hall all the way to the finish line. So he wasn't needed for that. I think if it continues on this trajectory where you sprinkle in a few games where, yeah, they're going to have to ultimately throw more at him simply because, as you guys both put, the running game's not there because defenses are keying on it. I think ultimately Zach will get there. And I think as long as he is not, you know, regressing back to what we saw in the rookie year, he's, uh, you know, leading more uh, or, or being responsible for more touchdowns than than turnovers. I think I'm encouraged enough to see that this grows. And I think this is exactly the, the, the position that they wanted to put him in, was to surround him with enough talent on this offense to to really have success even in spite if he's not you know going out and putting the the whole team on his back but I think ultimately we will see you know a few games where he does that and where he is called upon where the running game's just not getting going and and we'll see it but I think if this trajectory kind of continues and he's able to just continue to get 
get wins, um, really, then I think I feel good about Zach being the quarterback in year three, no question. For sure. And I think the two biggest areas of growth that I've noticed is he's protecting the ball better, which is a, you know, a carryover from the end of last year where he went, you know, X amount of games without throwing an interception, which is important. And I also think he's not doing what he was doing in the beginning of last year, where he was trying to make a play out of nothing and do those hero ball tactics. of like just trying to escape the pocket and chuck it down the field. He's playing with instruction, which is what they want him to do. It's what they've been yeah. preaching really since the spring. So he's doing what they're asking him to do. You just obviously want to see, you know, the big plays. You want to see those throws to Corey Davis against the Titans. You want to see him just really like unleash a little bit. So I think the talents there will see opportunities to do so, but like, don't protect the football, execute the offense, like be Jimmy G worst case scenario, which is, I felt like a pretty good comparison to how he's played for the most part. I would say, obviously the fourth quarter against Pittsburgh, he was a little bit better than that. Cause I felt like he yeah. really carried the offense, but like, he's just executing and that's like, that's football executions, yeah. everything. And honestly, I think like when I think back to these last, we'll say the last nine quarters, but Joe's re- you know referenced it a couple of times now. But mm-hmm. outside of that one Miami game sack where he turned his back to the to the line and lost like sixteen or seventeen yards on, on first down or whatever, there's really no plays where I'm sitting there going like, what the hell is he doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's obviously that's progress because he had a ton of boneheaded plays uh, in his rookie season. So, you know, to your point, Steven, playing within structure, but really not making those like completely dumb. What are you thinking mistakes? That's obviously him making progress this year. So if he continues down that path, obviously we're all going to be happy. He he had a big boy throw against the Packers. That one play when he rolled out and threw it to Corey Davis. I know yeah. he short, shorted him a little bit, but it still was an important play and really kept an important drive alive. So you could say whatever you want. He did have a really big throw in that game. Yeah. I mean, if he set, if he sets his feet, that's probably a touchdown. But the point is moot because they end up getting a yeah. touchdown on that drive anyway. So it is what it is. Cool. So now our favorite section of the show. And, Joe, I'm sure you're going to change your mind a lot of times between now and Sunday because you will be traveling. So like Joe has been asking everybody, if you have any international streams for the Jets Broncos, please tweet it, DM him. He will be very happy. So send him picks. along, please. Yeah. Game picks time. Um I'm going to pass it to Steven first uh, to give me his game pick. And he's typically been Mr. Optimistic. He did pick them to beat the Packers. I did not. Uh, so I, I feel like we maybe have to continue this trajectory. So, Steven, what's happening <laughs> in Mile High on Sunday? Oh, God. I do think Mile High is a tough place to play. There's no question. Joe said it earlier. I mean, um, you have to take that into consideration. Um, I'm not even sure what the score is of the, the, the Broncos-Chargers game right now. But uh, last time I checked, it, Joe, you said it was 10 nothing. Uh Broncos. 10-10. 10 Okay, 10-10. So here we go. I think it's obviously advantageous that you're getting a Broncos team playing on Monday night, um, you know, and coming back home. Uh, But the Jets are road warriors, and I really think uh, right now the way that their defense playing going up against this Nathaniel Hackett offense, obviously, um, that's a a benefit to them. That's an advantage for them. I think the Jets continue to run the rock, man. I think they uh, they, they really go out there and they, they get win number four in a row. And I'm going to say Jets top the Broncos 24-13. Wow. I'm going to keep it going, man, until they prove me wrong. This All is right. it. Positive Listen. vibes only. All right, Joe, I know you're going to change your mind, but give us the Monday, Joe, pick. <laughs> I mean, yes, it, it's early in the week, but I think uh, I'm aligned in that right now. I see no reason not to pick them until, you know, they prove me a reason not to. I I think Denver is a comparable team to Green Bay in many ways. Probably a bit stronger on defense, particularly from a pass defense perspective. Um, But 
I, I just like how the Jets are playing right now. And I, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game, but I think they could win a, a 24-20, 21-17 type game. And obviously caveat, it's early in the week, and I'm still coming off the high of the three-game winning streak. <laughs> this is a, a, just as winnable, if not more of a winnable game than the Green Bay and Miami games were. Yeah. Uh, it's This is hard because I would want to make this pick after that game was over. Based, like if the Broncos won, I'd be like, Jets are winning but for sure. If they lose, maybe they're more desperate. I don't know. Given the fact that that game's tied at halftime, I'm just going to make the pick just off intuition at this point. I'm going to say they're going to win too. And I, I feel like I'm mushing them because you guys picked them also. But like they're bet. I th- the Jets are better than them, I think, right now. I mean, they've looked better. Nate Hackett is a bad coach. Like Joe said, defense is good. I get that. But there are some, some holes in that team to exploit. You know, they're missing their left tackle. That's a big deal for this defensive line. They're missing Javante Williams. They have old man Melvin Gordon running the rocks. So I think that those are things that you got to point the Jets have an advantage of. And listen, I think Salah is more competent than Nate Hackett. So I know Mile High is tough. I know, you know, four straight road wins is a very tough ask. Also, four straight wins in general is just a tough ask. But like Joe said, until I see reason to not pick them, like I feel like this, they just are not matching up well or there's injuries or something, I'm picking them. And I'm going to go I'm gonna go 21 to 7. I think the defense really controls the game and makes Russ uncomfortable. And he's looked that way all year. So I, don't, I think that that's what it's going to be. Like it. Because all right. Three, three, guys. I know. Yeah. Who would have thought? I was really looking forward to having my uh, next Monday text to you guys saying, I told you so, but hey, <laughs> you are. Wait, before you say that, you have told – you have picked against them, and then when we got off air, you're like, no, I actually – Well, listen, hey, you're not supposed to reveal my secrets here, okay? I'm just messing with the juju. That's well, all. you're going to do that. I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, so, Joe – Love having you on. It's always a pleasure. You know, we always appreciate you for giving us this platform. Um, any uh, special content that you want to talk about, you know, going on the, the Patreon besides the usual stuff? I know obviously there'll probably be some bonus content. Are there any docu-series on the way that we're going to have mid-season? You know, feel free. And obviously if there's any profit stuff you want to, you know, rattle off here, this is this is the time. No, I mean, look, just the bread and butter in the season. And I think we've had a nice uptick in, in the amount we've been doing. So you're going to get, you know, two to three podcasts a week, at least from Connor and myself. Uh, you're going to get film room breakdowns from Connor every week. You're getting the articles from you guys and Dalvin. So it's really been a nice pack slate at Badlands, which is at patreon.com backslash Badlands TOJ. Uh, we'll likely do uh, some type of uh, mid-season Zoom Q&A sooner rather than later, and we'll have some other type of event at some point this season uh, and a, some other different video content to round out what we're doing uh, before we take on some bigger projects in the off-season. But for right now, just you know, enjoying the week-to-week rhythm, so definitely make sure to check it out. Yeah. Steven, closing thoughts. No, man, Joe, obviously always uh, pumped to have you on the show, man, so appreciate you joining us, uh, and it's so nice to finally do this when the Jets have a winning record and, and we're four and two and we can talk about some uh, some positive things with this team. So appreciate you coming on, man. And Steven, always a pleasure, man, as usual. Of course. It's it's just funny. I think about the 2020 when we all were blogging for the old the mothership site and all of it was just depressing stuff that you yeah. guys would have to read and review. And we're just like, damn, I don't even <laughs> want to do this anymore. Now it's so much fun and joy. Like I, I love it. But uh it makes it that much sweeter when you know the work you had to go through to get here, right? It, it, it does. Oh. It really does. Um, But yeah, as always, like Joe said, make sure to check out the Patreon. Best premium Jets content on the internet. I always say this every week. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to our feed on Apple, Spotify, Turn the Jets Live, 
Also subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash TV. Um, and then lastly, make sure to subscribe to uh, Will's podcast feed as well as the draft season feed, Turn the Jets pod. And uh, check out Profit Exchange, especially if you like the bet. Proud sponsor of Badlands. Best odds you're going to get in New Jersey. Joe, any bets that you're going to be thinking about this week or is it too early to tell? Uh, I mean, of course, I'm going to be on the Jets money line. The Jets three <laughs> plus three and a half. That's another one you got to keep an eye on. It does feel like an under type game, but let's see how the, let's see how it shakes out after this Denver uh, Chargers game wraps. Yeah, for sure. And uh, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next week.